Welcome to episode 63 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Tonight, we are recording on January 1st, 2018. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. January 1st. Uh, My name is Corey Motley. I'm a staff writer at GameCritics.com, and I'm 50% of this show. With me, as always, as you just heard celebrating the new year, is Brad Galloway, who is the editor of Game Critics. How are you, Brad? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I got to say, it was really weird um, last week not having a show to record. And, you know, I got to say, Corey, I've really gotten used to uh, doing these weekly shows. I really enjoy talking to you and kind of recapping the week, recapping the week personally and in games. And, you know, we didn't we didn't get anything down uh, on tape last week. And so I thought to commemorate uh, our getting back together, I would I would uh, do a little something special, a little something special tonight. Are you oh ready? My God. What are, are you ready? Are you going to do? <laughs> what the hell are I'm you along. doing? Sing along, sing along. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I can barely hear it through the microphone, to be honest. Oh, with shit, you. really? Oh, I got this thing cranked all the way. Motherfucker. <laughs> it is reunited by Peaches and Herb from 1978, a classic. Perfectly summing up how I feel about getting back together and recording <laughs> with you, my podcast partner. I'm so angry I tested this motherfucker out before the show and it sounded fine. No, I mean, it probably sounds good from your recording uh, because you're recording it through your mic. But I, it was not coming through all the way through my headphones. Son of but a I bitch. appreciate it. I appreciate it. As a matter of fact, I was thinking the same thing because, um, yeah, we have uh, this is for real episode 63. And because uh, last last week, Brad said it was episode 63 because I accidentally told him I thought it was episode 63, but it was really episode 62. But we did. Brad's right. We did take a week off last week. And I have been all over. I'm going to I mean, I want to say all over the country, but that's not true. It feels like I have been. I have been all over. I drove from New Orleans for for holiday traveling. I drove from New Orleans to St. Louis, Missouri, which is about a 10. No, wait, that's like. I think it's like a 12 hour drive or something like that. And then back down to St. Louis, which is like two hours. And then to Kansas city, which is like two hours to Columbia, Missouri, which is about an hour and a half to Omaha, Nebraska, which is about five hours. And then back to Rolla, which is like seven hours. And then tonight, just before recording the show, I drove the final leg. Well, Patrick and I were splitting driving, but drove the final leg back to New Orleans, which was about a 10-hour drive. So I've basically been in the car all day today, and I was really tired and really grumpy whenever we got home. But the second I sat down to start recording with you, I was like, wow, this is just like, it feels like like Christmas morning in a way. It's like coming home (laughs) and like just like being in the routine and sitting down and recording just feels so nice, even after like such a hectic two weeks of traveling and driving and seeing so many people and doing two Christmases and, you know, catching up with everybody. It just feels so nice to sit down and talk to you. Well, I'm really glad to hear that, man. And that sounds like the road trip from hell. I'm sure we're going to hear more about that in a second. (laughs) That sounds completely awful to me, but I'm sure it was fun for you. Uh, I have been incredibly busy myself. I haven't really gone anywhere, but I um, have been working like nonstop around the clock. I mean, it is kind of like the holiday for most people 
but I'm working counter to that. So I'm covering for all these people who are off and I'm doing a lot of, uh, uh, stuff that needs to be done, you know, even though some people, you know, stay home and kick it and just, you know, relax with some eggnog or, you know, look forward to New Year's and stuff. I mean, not everything can stop. I mean, things in the real world still have to push on. Some things have to be done no matter what. And I'm like one of those guys who does the things when everybody else is <laughs> off. So I've been working crazy hours, super sleep deprived, have barely seen the family like in the last week. And, uh, you know, earlier this morning I was like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. I'm not going to be able to be awake when Corey gets home. I'm not gonna be able to record. But I'm like, Nope, Nope. Got to do it. Got to do it. Looking forward to it. And now that now we're actually doing this, I feel good as well. got a second wind of energy, got a hot cup of coffee to power me through. So it's on, we're doing this and it's good. It's doing it good. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so for, before we get in too deep for a tiny bit of uh, like housekeeping for for the show before we jump into stuff, just heads up, um, current schedule, uh, like last, like we said last week, we missed a show for the very first time. We've been live since October of 2016, and last week we missed our first uh, week ever because I was out traveling all week and there was not a chance in hell I was going to be able to sit down and record anything while I was on the road so much. Um, so tonight is going to be mostly banter. So if you are a listener who is not into listening to Brad and I just bullshit about stuff and talk about, you know, random whatever, uh, this might be a good episode to skip. I'm actually not sure, because uh, Brad and I did not discuss it, how many, if he if he has a lot of games to discuss or any games, but I uh, straight up honestly do not have any games to talk about because I was on the road for the last 11 days driving all over the place, like I said. So I was doing you know, meeting friends after friends after friends, doing this Christmas, doing that Christmas, you know, and that kind of stuff. So um, I haven't been playing anything. So this is going to be a pretty heavy banter show. And next week we are doing our game of the year show. So make sure, uh, even if you skip this episode, uh, by all means, if you're not into banter, I don't blame you, skip it. But make sure you come back next week because we are going to be doing our game of the year show. We're going to be doing... Brad and I will be talking about our top 10 games of the year, uh, probably counting down from 10 up to 1, alternating. We'll probably throw in some categories for stuff that we want to talk about that weren't in our top 10, and we will just be doing, you know, no holds barred, top 10 game of the year discussion. So make sure you come back for that, even if you're not interested in this week's banter show. Absolutely, absolutely. Looking forward to it very much. Um, cannot wait to do that show it's one of my favorite shows of the year to do because you have to wait a whole year to do it so you know you got the build-up is pretty insane um i know what games i've picked but i am not sure of what games you have picked sir i gotta guess i mean i could probably pick maybe five out of your ten pretty confidently but you know there's always room for surprises and you know like you said we're going to talk about other categories as well what those will be is to be determined because we don't know yet, but I'm sure we'll figure something out. But it's going to be an exciting show, and uh, I'm really glad that we're doing it soon, because, you know, much respect to people who don't like to hear the banter. That's totally fine. I am a guy who actually doesn't like a lot of banter myself, so um, I feel kind of bad that our first show back is kind of a banter-heavy, but we'll make up for that by talking so many fucking games next week. It's going to be like pure game talk <laughs> next week. So bear with us, folks, and apologies we missed one, um, and we will get back on track. Indeed, that is the plan. But without further ado, um, I guess I should ask you before we jump into anything, do you have games you want to talk about this week, Brad? Dude, I, despite the fact that I have been working so much, I actually have like infinite games to talk about. I have, <laughs> I have no limit of games I could talk about. We don't need to talk about any. We don't need, I mean, we can talk some. We don't have to. We can skip some, maybe a little bit. 
who knows? Um, I figured we would just, you know, banter a little bit and see where it takes us. But I got a lot of uh, games to discuss. Also, shitload of TV and movies to talk about. We could also talk about... Um, I wanted to talk about Christmas a little bit. Uh, but whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so, I don't know. Did you want to start off the, the banter, Corey? Do you want me to start off? How, how are you feeling? Uh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I definitely want to talk about Christmas, too. I want to talk about... Uh, some of the stuff I got, and I want to know how your Christmas went and everything. Um, so I don't well, know. It doesn't. Yeah, let's doesn't do that. Matter. Let's do that. Let's talk Christmas first. So I I will listen to your Christmas first, <laughs> and then you will listen to mine, and uh, we will go like that. So tell me, sir, uh, what what up with your Christmas? What did you What did you get? What What was the deal? Uh, well, I had two Christmases because I do. Christmas with Patrick's family. They live in uh, Southeast Missouri, and my family lives in Kansas City, which is like Northwest Missouri. So we did um, Southeast Missouri Christmas first with Patrick's family, and um, and that was pretty good because it's always nice to see his family. His uh, his mom and stepdad live in Southeast Missouri, so um, and they live in at like a nice like two story house, and we um, they have a tradition of going to the gun range every year which i know i'm sure you saw the pictures i was posting on twitter i was taking pictures all all week while i was gone uh, we shot a bunch of guns on like on christmas eve eve i think oh, oh then, hang um, on hang on you you posted pictures of you shooting guns and i showed my son those guns my gun my son is a gun fanatic <laughs> he was like oh my god we are going to hang out with Corey and patrick next year he wanted to shoot all your fucking guns he's like show me the guns show me the guns and, like, it's so crazy because we're not a gun family. We don't own a gun. We're not shooters or anything. But, like, he was just like, that is so cool. Those guys are so cool. He was in love. <laughs> yeah, I have a very complicated relationship with guns because whenever I was younger, like, whenever I was maybe, like, 13 to, like, 25, 24, somewhere in there, I was very, like, pro-gun, like, pro-conceal and carry, pro-everyone should have a gun on them all the time because who knows when somebody might, like, rob you on the street and then you need to, like, shoot them dead in the street if they try to rob you. And that was, like, <laughs> totally, totally my frame of mind for, like, the longest time. And there are, there are still bits and pieces of me that stand by some of those sentiments. But um, as I've gotten older... And as I have seen, you know, more coverage of, um, you know, gun violence in the United States and school shootings and, like, um, you know, the Las Vegas shooting that was recently, uh, you know, I'm not 100% anti-gun. Like, I don't think—I mean, obviously, if every gun in the United States magically disintegrated, I feel like the United States would be a lot better off in pretty much every way. But there's no real way to make that happen. But I have since come around to— you know, the idea of, you know, we need stricter gun laws. We need, you know, certain people that have, like, you know, domestic violence backgrounds or, you know, stuff like that to be, like, barred from buying weapons. And I know that there's, like, a million arguments for and against all this. And I don't really want to turn this into a political thing. But it just makes me very um, – I, I have since felt at a crossroads every time I go and shoot guns because I like guns and I like shooting them. But I also, I'm not some little kid who doesn't know anything about weapons. Like, I, I fully understand, like, how to use the weapons I'm using, you know, what they're meant for, what, you know, the, their, their purpose and their power and everything. So it, it's, I, I always feel strange whenever I'm out 
uh, you know, at a gun range, because I've been to a gun range probably like three times in the past, like nine, nine months or so. And, um, and it's always weird because like, you know, like 20 year old me would have been like, oh yeah, guns, 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 boom, boom, boom. And just like really excited. But now I'm like, yeah, I like shooting, but like, this is kind of weird. And these guns are contributing to a lot of extra crime and death in the United States. And I don't know how I feel about it, but I guess since I'm here and the guns in my hand and there's a paper target in front of me, I guess I'm going to shoot them. Um, but I mean, that's kind of, I'm definitely getting off on a tangent here. Um, so I want to reel this back in, but do you have any input before I reel it back into Christmas talk? I mean, it's a really complicated situation. I mean, there, I mean, we could probably spend like an entire podcast talking <laughs> just about this. Um, but like I said, I mean, I, we're not a gun family. Never have been. My dad had some guns growing up, but he never really like took me shooting or anything like that. Um, I don't. He only went shooting like a couple times in his life. He wasn't really much of a shooter. I think he just like had them. He just got, like, some wild hair up his ass to buy a gun one time, bought it, shot it a couple times, and, like, never shot it again for whatever reason. Um, so I remember seeing them around the house, but, like, I never... It, they were never really a part of the house. They were just kind of, like, a thing in Dad's garage, and we didn't mess with them, and it was no big deal. And it never was a big deal, thankfully. Um, but, you know, I gotta say, I've kind of become the opposite. I was always like, no guns, we don't need guns in this country, I don't want to have a gun, guns are unsafe. I've, I've known a lot of people who have um, uh, experienced gun violence personally, and here in Seattle, uh, because of my work, I often encounter people who have, um, have histories with gun violence. So I'm around it a lot, and I, I in general, am like anti-gun, but I have to say... Ever since uh, Trump has come into power, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I do want to have a gun. Like, I'm not sure because, I mean, and this is this is super political and this is spinning things pretty far out. But like, you know, hopefully 2018 is the year that we get rid of fucking Trump and get rid of all the cronies that are keeping him in power. I feel like they're the worst thing to ever happen, like in the history of America. Almost. I mean, there's a lot of bad things that have happened, but I mean, this is pretty, pretty far up the, uh, the list of terrible things that have happened. Uh, and I'm just hoping for the best, you know, hope for the best, but plan for the worst, right? So, like, if we don't get rid of Trump, and if this country becomes, like, this fascist state, I mean, I think I would probably want to leave the country, like, as soon as possible. Um, and I actually have, like, already started researching that, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but, like, you know, if there were, like, if Trump did really, like, consolidate power, like, if we did become that kind of a country, like, I actually might want to have a gun, because I would all of a sudden be really scared for my safety and the safety of others with a lot of um, unsavory folks walking around. So I don't know. I mean, I, um, we, I've not taken any steps to get a gun. I, you know, I'm not really acting on that impulse at all, but after a lifetime of being anti-guns to feel like maybe guns are maybe a good idea is kind of a weird feeling. So maybe we're kind of going in opposite directions right now, but um, in general, I'm pretty anti-gun though. I'm, I'm not like one of those guys that thinks um, every gun should be fine for everybody and no background checks and, don't take away my second amendment and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, that was written a million years ago. It doesn't really apply today. And the NRA is, um, Satan on earth. So I got a lot of feelings about that, but you know, we don't have to talk about that too much. We can, we can reel it back in and, and get back to Christmas, which is really what this is uh, supposed to be about. Okay. Okay. Well, yes, let's reel this back into Christmas. Um, I, so Christmas with, uh, Patrick's family was, pretty nice i mean nothing like super big or special happened it was very like par for the course like we basically just bought each other a bunch of like 
kind of like stocking stuffer e things. So I didn't, you know, we didn't like unwrap any like big, you know, ridiculous presents or anything. So it was just really nice. It was nice to be there. It was nice to see everybody. Um, but Christmas with my family in Kansas City is kind of like where I got all the stuff I wanted because for the longest time growing up, my mom, especially in the past like, you know, 10 years when I have moved out and haven't lived with my parents anymore, uh, my mom asks me several times every year, hey, what do you want for Christmas? Give me some ideas. I need to know. Like, I don't, I'm not around you all the time anymore, so I don't know what you want. You know, you got to let me know. And every year I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, just get me whatever. And I never, like, supply her with, you know, super, like, concrete things. Because, like, Christmas isn't really, like, I mean, obviously, like, you know, we buy each other stuff. It's nice to get presents. It's nice to give presents. It's nice to, you know, get some stuff that you probably would not otherwise buy for yourself. And, but I don't, like, I'm not one of those people who, like, you know, like, put so much value in, like, everything I want, and I want all the stuff, and I gotta have everything, like, I, Christmas for me is more about, like, seeing people, but this year, I finally wised up and sent my mom and my brother an itemized list of Amazon links of everything that I wanted, and I told her and my brother, I was like, you guys don't have to buy me any of this, if you guys just want to go, like, halvesies on, like, one thing, like, it doesn't matter, but just so I can say that I told you, here's all the things I wanted, and Brad, you will never guess what happened. I, I got literally like, cannot guess. Tell me what happened. <laughs> I got everything that was on my list. What a surprise. Can you believe oh, it? That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but I mean, the cool thing is that lately, and I think this is part of becoming an adult, um, maybe you can uh, you can understand this too, like you know, whenever you're a kid, you get, like, you know, action figures and, like, you know, kind of silly stuff, but stuff that's, like, fun and, like, meaningful to you. But as I grow up, I, whenever I get stuff for Christmas, I want stuff that's, like, really practical and really helpful for me. Like, two years ago, Patrick bought me my camera, and now I am, I mean, I talk about fucking parkour photography, like, every week on the show. So, like, I'm trying to turn this into a career. I'm really passionate about it. And, like, last year, he bought me a lens for the camera. Well, this year, because, um, like, photography is, like, the gift that keeps giving. Like, now, any birthday, any Christmas, I can just be like, hey, here's this photography-related thing that I want. And it just, like, adds to to my repertoire. And this year is no different because I got a studio backdrop and lighting kit for Christmas, which is basically, like, a really tall, um, like, backdrop stand that's adjustable in height and in width. And I have a black screen, a green screen, and a white screen that I can put uh, put on it. And I can buy other screens on Amazon and stuff if I want or, you know, like, rolls of paper or whatever to put on it. And I got the studio lights. So I have two so big softbox lights, they call them. And I have two umbrella lights that came with it and, like, carrying cases and stuff. So basically, for Christmas this year, I have received the ability to turn the spare bedroom in my house into a photography studio and I am very very excited about that so that was like the big thing this year that I got for Christmas that I'm like super duper excited about and I have already used my studio lighting kit once which is a story that I will tell in a few minutes but I want to hear about your Christmas before I move on to more ridiculous stories well, right on. That sounds awesome. I know that you are Mr. Photographer, so getting all that stuff must be amazing. Um, I can kind of relate because as I've gotten older, I mean, when I was a kid, I made like ridiculous lists of like every toy and action figure that I wanted. <laughs> um, 
And then when I got older and I had a job, I bought every toy and action figure that I wanted. <laughs> and um, I have like a lot of toys. Um, I, just really like a brief anecdote. When I was a kid, I had um, a pretty fair number of toys. My mom and dad did not spend a lot of time with us. And my dad would often feel really guilty about that because he didn't actually really want to interact with us. And so he would end up buying us a bunch of toys as a way of like, you know, quote unquote, making us happy um, so that we would leave him alone and do whatever he wanted. And we ended up having like a lot of toys, um, which is kind of sad in and of itself. But <laughs> um, at one point, my mom and dad just got tired of it. And I don't know what had happened. I think they must have been having a fight or something. And they just like were like, oh, the kids got way too many toys. This is stupid. They don't need that many toys. And so um, they took a lot of our stuff and just had this giant garage sale. And it was just all of our toys. And we didn't really get a say in what we had to keep or whatnot. I mean, they were like, oh, yeah, you can keep like um, this this small box worth of toys and the rest is going. And it was like there's no way that everything that I wanted to keep was going to fit in that box. And as a family who were really not big on communication or about giving agency to children... That was pretty fucking traumatizing, as uh, you might imagine. So, like, one day your mom and dad are like, okay, um, we're selling all your stuff. Sorry. And they just grabbed all of our stuff and, like, sold almost all of our stuff out, uh, which really kind of fucked me up. Uh, made me very angry and upset, and I just never really got over it. And so when I got older, I'm like, I'm buying all those toys back. Everything that you guys <laughs> sold, I'm just going to buy back for myself. Because, I mean, I don't know, maybe Freud would have something to say about that. Who knows? But I'm like, that was just the thing that I did. And um, so I did that. I did that. Um, but now that I'm older and I've bought pretty much everything that I wanted to buy. And now that I have kids, um, you know, I don't really need anything anymore. I'm to that age where it's like, oh, I don't need nothing. I, I buy myself everything that I need and I don't need that much to begin with anymore. And we're running out of room for shit anyway. And, <laughs> you know, so I don't ask for a lot. Um but the stuff that I do want is it's always got to be something that's really related to the family. Like I want like uh, my favorite thing to get is coffee mugs that have pictures of my family on them. And I ask for that like every time, like it's real simple, no guesswork involved. Anybody wants to get me something, they can get me a picture of like a mug with a picture um, of my family on it. So I've got a bunch of mugs. That's really cool. I like that a lot. But uh, my wife uh, went above and beyond this year and she got something really cool for me and the son. So I love being a dad. I love my kids. And one thing that I think is really cool, which I think a lot of people will probably think is dumb, is I love to wear the same clothes as my kids. I love to match, like match colors and stuff. So it looks like we're like a team or like we're, you know, like obviously these two people are together because they're wearing the exact same shirt and shorts. Of course, it's a father and son, right? Like, I think that's the best thing. I don't care if it's goofy or dorky or whatever. I, I love it. So for Christmas, my wife uh, bought my son a really warm kind of fleece, bright ass red onesie with a hood. And he put it on and he's like, oh, this is so warm. This is awesome. And she's like, yep, Brad, I got you one too. And so <laughs> I have this big ass onesie that is super bright red and it's got a hood and it's got the zippers and everything. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> Me and my son put him on Christmas Day and we both wore him for like a week straight afterwards, just like wearing them things around. It is the best. It is the best. I love having a onesie. It's so good. And in fact, I'm going to tell you a little secret, Corey. It's actually the second onesie that I own. I have another one, too. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really awesome. I thought that was great. I did get the mug with the family picture on it. That was amazing. It had a lot of really goofy pictures of my son on it. But the thing that I, um, I, I don't think that I've mentioned this to you, or maybe I did. I talked about it on Twitter a little bit. 
But I wanted to get something cool for the family, something that was really like us, you know, something that really showed that I know my family, that they know me, that we're a unit. And so did I tell you about um, the, the Helldivers thing that I did? No. Oh, okay. I, I couldn't remember if I told you or not. Okay, cool. So I really, really wanted to get something really cool. And a friend of mine on Twitter uh, is this amazing artist, um, Alex Connolly. He is an amazing artist. Like, he posts pictures of stuff that he draws. And every time he posts something, I'm like, dude, that is so dope. That is so good. Like, he draws, like, so many cool pictures, like technical stuff, mecha, robots, mechanical trucks and cars. Like, his style is just awesome. I really, really dig his style a lot. And so he is also um, an amazing Helldivers fan. Like, I love Helldivers. It's one of my favorite games of all time. And he also loves it just as much as I do. So that's really how we met. I was um, gushing about it on Twitter a couple years ago. And he was, like, also like, oh, I'm a fan, too. Let's talk about Helldivers. And so we talked about it for, like, a year. A year and then we just, like, remained friends. So I'm sitting here and I'm trying to think of what I can do for the family that's a cool present that's really special. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've got an idea. I'm like, Alex, do you do commissions? And he's like, well, not really, but I guess. And I'm like, all right, dude. No, the family. Um, Helldivers was one of the first games that we played as a family where my son was actually old enough to really participate as like a real member. Like he was he wasn't just a kid holding the controller. Uh, he actually was playing like he could hold his own in that game. And that is a hard game. Have you ever, did we ever talk about Helldivers? Have you ever played it? We've talked about it, but I have not played it. Okay, so, um, real briefly, Helldivers is one of my favorite games ever. It's a uh, team-based uh, co-op shooter that's seen from, like, a top-down, kind of, like, Diablo perspective, where you play as these soldiers that are kind of like, um, what is that, uh, that Paul Verhoeven movie that was made from, uh, like, not Universal Soldier, that's wrong. Um, Starship Troopers, that's what it is. It's kind of like Starship Troopers. And you shoot giant bugs, and it's really, really super hard. There's, um, uh, you can shoot your other enemies, so friendly fire is always on. And it's just, it's like this really lethal, deadly, super hard game. But it's like the best fucking game. It is so good. So that was the first game that my family and I ever really played, like, as a functioning unit. Where he really, my son was able to really participate. So I'm like, oh my god, Alex, I just had this brilliant idea. Why don't you, being the Helldivers fan that you are, draw me a poster of Helldivers, and the Helldivers are going to be me and my wife and my son. And he's like, oh, man, all right, cool. So, like, I hired him to draw me this poster. So that's what he did. I'm like, just do whatever, but I want you to draw three Helldivers. I want them each to have the first letter of our names on the armor and then a bunch of monsters. You know Helldivers, so just draw it up, make it look real cool. And he's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So he did, and I got to say, that picture turned out fucking amazing. <laughs> it looked so good. And when I showed the family, like, everybody thought it was amazing because it was like, you know, this is something that really signifies us. Like, it's all about us. We're in the picture. It's a family thing. Like, it would not make really much sense to anybody else, but it really is very meaningful to us. And it's actually um, posted up on our, uh, uh, in our living room, right in the middle of the living room. It was a real big place of honor. So everybody thought it was great. The wife loved it. The son thought it was really cool. And I was really happy that we had something that was just pure Galloway all the way through. Um, if you guys, uh, if you, Corey, want to see this picture, or if anybody listening wants to see it, uh, it's buried like a million years ago in my Twitter feed. Probably not the easiest place to find it, but if you go <laughs> to the Helldivers webpage, they actually saw it on Twitter, and they put it on their fan art page. So you can go to the fan art page on the Helldivers, uh, like helldivers.com or something like that, and it's like, I think it's like the very first picture on their on their fan page, so you can see it there. It's a really great job. 
Uh, Alex did a wonderful job. I was so thrilled. It was worth every penny, and I'm probably going to hire him again to do another one. So that was the high point of my Christmas. Nothing's going to top that, dude. And in fact, I'm really struggling to think about what I'm going to do for next year because the bar has been set pretty high. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my Christmas. Other than that, I worked. Um, Side note, we had Christmas on December 22nd because I was working for every other day for the rest of December, and I was not going to have a chance to be at home. So we're like, fuck it. The day is about the family and about being together. Let's do it on the 22nd. Why not? So we did. Our entire Christmas was on December 22nd, and that's when we did it. And it was just as fun as doing it on the 25th. And we're like that. That's how. That's the kind of family we are. So That is so cute. What a good sentimental present. Uh, I was really proud of myself, I got to say. I give myself a lot of credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, all right. So that was Christmas. That sounds like a pretty good Christmas. You did the big road trip though. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit. You made like a million stops. You hit like every Cracker Barrel uh, west of the Pecos. (laughs) Um, and now, so now that you're back, I mean, I don't know. What do you want to bands about, dude? What's on your plate? What should we talk about? Well, I have one. I mean, I did a lot of stuff and I have so many stories that I could tell. Um, you know, even from before, Christmas like I have you know a story from like a week and a half ago I could tell but there's one story in particular that I have teased you a little bit about that I'm interested in telling that has to do with the studio lighting kit that I received for Christmas Um, would you like to hear this story you know I would all right well let me all right let's let's just both take a deep breath and we'll oh shit we're taking a deep breath oh shit buckle up folks (laughs) we taking a deep (laughs) breath right here (laughs) So during my travels around the central Midwest region, I uh, went to Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I moved to New Orleans from Omaha. And I lived in Omaha with Patrick for about three or so years. And, um, you know, as you might guess, I have a lot of friends in Omaha, Um, you know, maybe not a lot, but I have like a handful of friends in Omaha. You know, I know some people. And one of the guys, uh, there's a guy that I used to work with, um, this story is not really going to be like that deep, but I'm still, I don't want to say his name. Cause I don't want to like, I mean, I don't think, I think even if I did say his name, like I don't think anything would happen, but I just like feel, I just feel weird. So I'm just not going to say his name, which means I'm going to slip up and accidentally say his name in like 30 seconds, but I'm going to try not to. Everybody, if you hear his name, just pretend you didn't hear it. Yes. Just, put just your, forget it immediately. Yeah. Take your headphones off and forget it and then put them back on. So, um, so there's a guy I used to work with, and he is, I mean, just like right off the bat, he's a very attractive dude. And I used to work with them, and we used to, you know, shoot the shit at work, at work a lot. And we helped each other move a couple times. Like, he helped me move once when I was moving apartments. I helped him move a year later whenever he was moving into a new apartment. Um, so, you know, we're not like BFFs forever, but, you know, we've hung out. We've, you know, been friends for a little while. And so... I told him, like, hey, I got a, like, haha, I got a studio lighting kit for Christmas, and I'm going to be in Omaha, so why don't we, like, set up a photo shoot? Like, I'd like to take your pictures. Um, and because he's the kind of person, like, the, through my life of photography the past couple of years, I have sort of been able to put a pretty accurate finger on whenever I know I've met someone who wants to be photographed, and whenever I meet someone who... I probably should not, like, 
asks them if they want to be photographed because I know they just won't be interested or maybe they're self-conscious or maybe, you know, there's a million reasons. But the dude that I used to work with, um, I just had a feeling that he was one of those guys who would love to have his picture taken. And obviously, as a photographer, I'm always seeking out people that I think would love to have their picture taken because, as you might imagine, taking someone's pictures who enjoys having their picture taken is much more fun than shooting someone who does not want to be photographed. So... Uh, so I was trying to figure out a time to hang out with this guy the whole time I was there. And, uh, I went out with Patrick and some friends and I, we went to, we went out to eat and then we went to one bar and I had a beer and then, uh, I decided to go back to the hotel because I wasn't sure whenever this guy would want to hang out. It was kind of one of those like, Hey, I'll let you know when I'm free. And then we were going to meet up and I wasn't sure if I was going to go see him he, I wasn't sure if he was going to come and see me. Like, I really didn't know what was going to go on. So I went back to the hotel. Patrick went out for the rest of his night out. And eventually this guy was like, hey, I'm going to come back to the hotel. Uh, or, you know, can I come? I'm going to I can come over to the hotel. And I was like, OK, like, that's fine. You know, uh, that's all good. And so, like, you know, like an hour later or so, um, he gets to the hotel. Um, this story is probably not going to go where you think it's going to go, by the way. But um, uh, he you know, comes up to the hotel. It's great to see him. You know, we meet, we hug, we say what's up. You know, he grabs a beer out of the fridge because we had already purchased beer um, from, you know, from the Midwest. And, um, you know, we're kind of shooting the shit. And then he, like, immediately is interested in, like, hey, like, well, let's do this photo shoot thing. And I was like, okay. Like, you know, I didn't want to, like, push it on him, but he was, like, super down for it. So I start getting some of my lights out of the bag and start setting him up. And he, like, sits down on the edge of the bed. And he's like, oh, should I take my shirt off? And I was like, well, you know, I wasn't going to, like, make you, but if you're offering, like, sure, like, we can do this. Um, and so, like, <laughs> I mean, like, it's just, I don't know, like, it, he was obviously comfortable, and he was very, very comfortable. So I don't want this story to make it sound like I was like, oh, hey, come over and take your shirt off so I can take your pictures. Like, it wasn't like that. Because um, he, it was all his, like, like, he brought it up before I could even, like, mention anything about it. So here he is you know, sitting on the edge of the bed with his shirt off in the hotel room. I'm setting up the lights. I'm doing some test shots. And and he is, like, super, like, wants to show off, like, you know, is, like, you know, he's just, like, being very show-off-y, which in a, in a good way, though, not in, like, a douchebaggy way. And as we start, as we photograph and as I'm moving him and as I'm moving the lights and as we're taking pictures, um, I didn't want to like push anything on him cause I was trying to be very respectful of his boundaries, but he's the kind of guy who like, doesn't really have a lot of boundaries. Like he's kind of like a, Oh dear. Ve- oh dear. Very, I know. I know this sounds terrible, but he's like, he's a very, he's a free spirit kind of, you know, try anything once, um, you know, nothing's too crazy for him. And so I told him, I was like, I want you to know that I want you to be as comfortable as as you want to be and I don't want to push you and I don't want to make this weird but just so we're on the same page I however far you want to go like taking more layers of clothes off I will photograph you but I'm I and I wanted it to be clear because I wanted to be professional about it and I didn't want to be like trying to push him in a weird situation because I mean photographing somebody like that is is weird like you know I don't it was like my first time doing anything like that because most of the time when I'm photographing people, they're like doing flips over me, you know, and like shit like that. So this was a very weird and like different scenario. And so as soon as I say that, 
he like takes his pants off immediately. And I was oh, like, okay. Oh dear. Oh dear. So like this is this is where we're gonna go with this. So he's like sitting around the ho- the hotel room in his boxers, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh well, here, sit on the couch, let me move the light, and I'm taking some pictures. And he's like super into it. And so um, he wants to get on the bed and take some pictures. And so, like, he gets in bed, and I'm taking some more pictures. I'm moving the lights and everything, you know, as you do. And I tell him, because I was getting very much the vibe that he, like, was totally down for anything. Like, was not being shy, was not hesitating at all about anything. And so I was like, hey, you know, just... So I was like, do you feel comfortable if I asked you to, like, take all of your clothes off? Would that be comfortable for you? Good and Lord. I, I know, I know. But I, I'm only saying this because I was like 99% sure that he was going to be down for it. Because if I were ever, like I, this story makes me sound like a creep, but I want to make it very clear <laughs> that if I were ever in a situation like this and the person was obviously hesitating or I could tell that they were nervous or they didn't seem comfortable, I would never be like, oh, take your clothes off for me. Because, like, obviously they would not want to do that. Like, I wouldn't want to push anybody in that direction. But because this is the kind of person who, like, I could was so obviously, like, up to do anything, did not care, you know, wanted to show off and, you know, wanted to do do it all. Like, that's, you know, why I felt comfortable moving that direction with him. At any point, did you offer him candy? No, I mean, I gave him beer, so that's, like, I don't know if that's, like, good enough or not, but... You didn't have a no. bowl of, like, Werther's Originals anywhere in the room, did you? <laughs> I mean, I'm getting up there in age, but I'm not, like, 75 yet, Brad. Jeez. Okay, just checking, just checking. <laughs> Had to check the skeeve factor in this whole scenario. Uh, no, it was not. Um, it was, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to be, like, oh, it was as professional as it could possibly be, because I don't know how professional, you know taking someone's photographs as they're taking their clothes off can be or is, but I feel like this was a very respectful situation. Like, you know, he didn't walk in the room and I wasn't like, all right, get naked so I can take your pictures. Like it was very, you know, we were very comfortable about the way we did things and we escalated it in um, like in a natural way. I don't know how to say this. This whole story just makes me seem so ridiculous, but, but long story short, uh, you know, I I asked him, I was like, well, if you feel comfortable, like, how do you feel about, like, taking all your clothes off? And I swear to you, not three seconds after I got the question out of my mouth, his underwear was on the floor. And he was in bed, totally naked. Like, I was uh, photographing him. And, like, I, I had never really photographed anybody like that in this capacity before. So it was, like, a very new experience for me as it was probably a new experience for him. So not only was it, like, interesting in the sense that, like, I had, it's almost like whenever you're in art class as like an art major and like the nude models are there in front of you and you like are drawing them in a way. It was almost like that because it's like I had his whole body in front of me and I knew that he would like, I could, this is going to sound disgusting, but that I could position him in any way and he would be cool with it. Now, Corey, this is a family show, my friend. This is a family show. Is this this a family show? This story so far is just like, oh my goodness. It's just more and more and more and more this, I'm, I'm i'm afraid to find out where this is all leading <laughs> sir i mean basically i mean it's not really leading anywhere it's basically fizzling out at this point because long story short uh pun maybe intended um oh I you went did, there you went there <laughs> i mean i can successfully say now that i have my first like x-rated photo shoot under my belt but i also 
I also want to be clear in this scenario that this was not like a pornographic shoot. Like I like it's such a stupid thing to talk about, like the idea of like tasteful nudes, but like that's like what this was. It wasn't like, oh, get your dick out and let me stick my camera up in your dick. Like it wasn't <laughs> like that at all. It was like it was like he's on the bed, like his junk is covered with like the sheet or whatever, and I'm taking his pictures and Every step of the way, like, it was obvious that he was comfortable about the whole thing and that I, you know, wasn't, like, you know, like, forcing him to do anything that he didn't want to do because I would never do that in a situation like this. But, um, but I mean, I guess, you know, that's kind of the long and short of it is I, like, literally, like, the day after receiving my first studio lighting kit, I did my first X-rated photography portraiture session, so... I wow. really hit the ground running on that one. That really kind of progressed quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it it seems quick, but um, I don't know it. But okay, so the and the ridiculous thing. So I was out the next night at a bar uh, with a bunch of friends from Omaha, and the guy I photographed was not there. He was um, out of the picture at this point, um, and I was. God, I cannot remember how this came up. Oh, um, I had sent a Snapchat picture to uh, a bunch of people that I knew, basically saying that I was drunk. And um, one of the guys, there's a guy named Matt, who I think I might have talked about on the show before, who lives in Phoenix, but he's part of the New Orleans like parkour group. And I met him a few weeks ago, and he's in town for another week. And he um, he sent me a text, and he was like, hey, when are, he was like, are you going to be working on the Baton Rouge pictures soon? Because I was in Baton Rouge like a week ago to shoot them. And I messaged him and I was like, oh, hey, like, you know, I will, but I'm like back the fuck up on pictures right now. Like I have pictures from Thanksgiving that I'm still editing. So like I'll get to him when I get to him. And because I was drunk and because I'm an idiot, I was like, oh, haha, Matt, like, guess what? I did my first X-rated photo shoot the other night. And I kid you not, he texted me back and he was like, oh, I would really like to do that. I bet my girlfriend would really like it. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So apparently I'm going to be like the go-to guy to shoot like X-rated dude photo shoots in the New Orleans area from now on. Well, well, you hear it here first, folks, if you're going to be in New Orleans <laughs> and you got some junk that needs a picture taken of it, you know, you know who your man is. Yeah, I. it was just so bizarre because I did not... I mean, like with Matt, I wasn't like, oh, haha, I did an X-rated shoot. Like, do you want to do it next? Like, I was just like, oh, I'm drunk. Haha, I did an X-rated shoot last night. And then he immediately was like, oh, that's something I'm interested in doing. And I was like, well, I mean, I would do that for you because that's what friends are for. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a demand for, like, dudes doing, like, boudoir photography. But here we are. I did not know there was demand for that either, but hey, you learn something new on the So Video Game Show every week. It's uh, true. That was, that, we are just bringing education to the masses, and this now is, all of our listeners know this as well. So yeah, so uh, so make sure to book book your sessions with me, everybody. If you want me to take some some tasteful nudes of you, you know who to call. Make those appointments early because <laughs> slots are filling up fast. Pun intended. <laughs> oh <laughs> shit! Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, that All was right, quite so, a story. That was yeah, quite a story. That was probably, I mean, the very unexpected and very interesting way to close out 2017. And I'm gonna have to put in the show notes a giant 
spoiler warning about how this is like not family safe chat, but um, explicit content. Yeah, labeled. very explicit content. Um, but uh, yeah, not the way that I expected to close out 2017, but. I am not mad about it, and now I have experienced something I haven't before in my life, and apparently there is more demand for it, so I will keep you and the show posted on any more uh, um, explicit photo shoots that I do, I guess. Any more revealing developments? Who knows? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, but that that's was enough. That was, too, that was a long story, so please... Um, Let's move away from this topic into something that is not as gross. Uh, so what <laughs> what do you want to talk about next? Ah, oh, Jesus. I don't know, dude. I was kind of keeping notes um, over the last week, and there was just been, like, so many different things to talk about. Let's talk about... Um, <clears throat> I guess let's go to movies and TV for a little bit. Did you have a chance to watch anything while you were driving around? Probably, I imagine, probably not much, huh? Dude, I never watch shows. I... Oh, man... I do not watch TV, like, ever. I see movies in the theater sometimes, and I like to pretend like I'm going to watch things on TV, but I just never do. Not a problem. I got you covered in that respect, because I went to go see some uh, movies. I saw two movies, actually. Did two you? movies in the last week. What did week. you see? Yeah. What did you see? Um, first off, I saw Star Wars The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I... Liked the last two. So, okay, so <clears throat> here's me. I really like the original <laughs> trilogy. I like Return of the Jedi least of all because I thought the Ewoks looked like shit. Um, so I, I, Empire is my favorite movie so far. I hated the George Lucas prequels. Those are garbage. Those do not exist in my universe. Those are just not even a thing. Um, hate those things forever and ever. And with the new ones that have been out, which is uh, Force Awakens and the other one, which the title is escaping me, Rogue, Rogue one. one. Yeah, I liked both of those. Not perfect, but I liked them both very much. Those are definitely going back in the in the right direction for me. So I was excited to see The Last Jedi. I wanted to go into it clean, so I didn't read any interviews. I was trying to stay off of Twitter as much as possible. I was... Um, Muting a couple people who had a little bit of uh, <laughs> loose loose lip disease. So I went into the theater, watched it. I thought it was great. It really calmed a lot of my fears because there were a few things that I thought were really troublesome to me from a, from a writing perspective in Force Awakens. Not to say that the writing was bad, but it was like, oh gosh, you know, how are they going to solve this particular issue? What are they going to do about this? Um, I mean, the, the biggest one, I don't think it's... I will try to remain as spoiler-free as possible. But, I mean, I, I didn't really like how they handled Kylo Ren in the first one. I thought that his story needed more fleshing out. And the whole thing with Han Solo, I thought, was really kind of poorly done. So, I was really wondering if they were going to be able to salvage that. Which they did. They they explained it in a way which was satisfying to me as a writer. I thought that that worked out really well. I liked what they did with Luke Skywalker. And, in fact... Um, I'm not going to talk about it now because it's still too close to the movie, but maybe at some point in the future, I would like to talk about that maybe like in a spoilery kind of way, because I've heard a lot of people. And in fact, even Mark Hamill himself was saying he didn't really agree with all of the director's choices and how they covered Luke Skywalker. But I thought it was really brilliant and great. And it seemed really true to me. I could understand the motivations of what happened. Also in Force Awakens, I was really, really, really worried um, about what was going to happen when they finally revealed who um, 
what is her name? The girl, the leading, the leading girl character. Ray. Ray. Yes. Well, sorry. Yes, the most important character in the fucking movie. And I can't remember what her name <laughs> is. I was really worried that that when they revealed who her parents were, it was going to be bad times, but it was good times. And so I was very impressed with that. All my fears went away. A lot of cool stuff happened. The visuals were amazing. Um, I just had a great time. And I really liked all the representation. Um, Very diverse cast. Lots of women, lots of people of color, like a really good mix of folks on screen. Um, I just thought it was great. I really enjoyed it from start to finish. I thought it was wonderful. So I, the whole family liked it. We came back. Uh, I started being a little less cautious about spoilers on Twitter because now that I've seen the movie, I wasn't worried about it. And I was just, like, barraged by all these people who seemed really, really upset with the movie. They really didn't like it. They thought it was terrible. Worse than the prequels. And I'm like, oh, my God. Did we see the same movie? Are you guys even on the same planet as me? Like, how are you saying this is a terrible movie? Um, And to be honest, after seeing so many people have a negative reaction to it, I made a personal decision to not engage in any of that stuff. I'm like, I'm not going (laughs) to hear. I'm not going to read about it. I don't want to hear your opinion. I don't want to hear why something pissed you off. I just don't care. I just don't care because I thought the movie was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, it. It filled the role it needed to fill. It was a great action adventure romp. I think it was very true to the original three films. That was all I could have ever asked for, and it delivered. So I am very pleased. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I haven't read any of the theories. I haven't debated anybody on Twitter. I haven't brought it up. I haven't <laughs> gone to any message boards. And I'm not gonna. So that's just where it is. And that's kind of a new thing for me because I think old Brad would have probably wanted to dig into that. Not anymore, my friend. I'm good with where I'm at and I'm going to leave it. So <laughs> that is where I landed on that. You haven't seen it or you, you're not really much of a Star Wars guy, though, are you? Well, here, here's the thing about Star Wars and me is, no, I'm not really a Star Wars fan. I, I have seen the original trilogy, but it was so long ago that I honestly can't really remember like anything that happens in them because I have not watched them in the past like 15 years plus. But I saw The Force Awakens and I thought it was fine. I saw Rogue One and I thought it was like okay. And I actually saw The Last Jedi in IMAX 3D on Thursday night when it came out at 7 p.m., which might lead you to believe that I am like one of the biggest Star Wars fans on the planet. But what really is the case here is that I just have a friend who is one of the biggest Star Wars fans on the planet. So he bought us tickets. Uh, it's one of Patrick's coworkers. The three of us went, and I saw it uh, basically the very first showing you could see it Thursday at 7 p.m. And the the very, um, I don't know, like, interesting thing for me is that I don't really care about Star Wars, and I have no stakes for the Star Wars universe. Like... It's been so long since I've seen the old movies that I can't remember, like, anything that happened in them. Um, I, like, yeah, I've seen uh, The Force Awakens and Rogue One. Like, I think they're fine, but I'm not invested enough in the universe to be like, wow, wow, and, like, really, like, excited about them or, like, um, you know, like, interested in, like, what they bring to the universe because I'm not, I'm just not into Star Wars. So what's fascinating for me is seeing The Last Jedi and thinking, like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's a fine movie. But being so detached from the universe and the origins of Star Wars and, like, all of, like, the nitty-gritty details of, like, what was in the the first prequel and what were... or the, the first trilogy and what was in the prequel trilogy and just all that stuff because I really don't care 
So it doesn't really make a difference to me. I mean, I enjoyed The Last Jedi. Um, I actually cried in it uh, briefly <clears throat> because of one like really cinematic moment that I'm not going to discuss. It wasn't even a character moment. It was just like a cinematic moment. Um, but it's just so interesting to me because like I have no stakes in the universe. So seeing all these people on Twitter are like, oh, this is the best Star Wars movie ever. And then the other half is like, this is garbage. This is utter garbage. I can't believe this. It's just like... One of the rules that I try to live by in my life that I really try to stick to, and maybe this is going to sound heartless of me, but one of the rules that I try to live by is to never love something so much that you let it hurt you. And I feel like that's the thing with Star Wars. Like, people love Star Wars so much. And, and this goes for anything, any franchise, even with people, you know, like, loving your wife or something. Like, um, you know, that, like, a new iteration of it comes out and they, they love something so much that it, it, that they allow that thing to hurt them because of something new that comes out or because something new that's been created in the universe. And it's easy for me because I'm not that interested in Star Wars. So like, obviously it's not going to hurt me in any way. I mean, the movie's not like offensively bad, but like the more you love something and the more nostalgia you have for it, the more you can let it get under your skin if you don't like it. And it's just the whole scenario around Last Jedi is totally fascinating for me, like for that reason. Yeah, I I mean, there's many theories going around about why some people really bounced off of it. I mean, I've heard some people say, oh, some of the things that happened in the movie don't make sense. But I'm like, bro, did you even see the last Star Wars movies? Because if you really want to pick them apart, you can. It's not like they're airtight. I mean, even the, tri the original trilogy, which I'm a big fan of, those movies have a lot of problems. And it's like you can either go along for the ride and enjoy it or you can nitpick this thing apart and really, you know, tear it down. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad I didn't engage in any of that stuff. Um, I, I was hurt when the, the prequels <laughs> came out. Um, I was really angry because <clears throat> I really felt like it was George Lucas being somehow kind of like mad at the thing that made him so famous. Like, I think he kind of felt trapped and was not able to get out of Star Wars. And rather than let somebody else take care of it, he kind of wanted to burn it down. Kind of like what Hideo Kojima has done with Metal Gear, honestly. <laughs> Very, very similar, like, you know, brilliant guy who needed some oversight, needed to work on a team, got super successful, got too successful, and then felt trapped and then got really resentful and wanted to escape by any means necessary, thereby blowing up what he made him popular in the first place. Um, a lot of parallels between Kojima and Lucas. So I was really angry that Lucas, to me, seemed like he was trying to piss the fanboys off, trying to make people mad. The people who, like, made him what he is today, like, he wouldn't be the head of LucasArts and, he, you know, Lucasfilm, and he wouldn't be, like, a billionaire if it wasn't for the fans that put him there. So how can you be so upset about it? But anyway, I'm glad that the series is in hands of people who actually genuinely like the stuff. I really think that a lot of the choices in The Last Jedi were really cool. I'm a big fan. Looking forward to the next couple ones. Although I got to say, I am a little bit scared of the upcoming Han Solo, young Han Solo movie. I don't think that's a movie that anybody really wanted. And although I'm really excited that the, um, what's that guy's name? Donald Glover is going to be in it as, as Lando Calrissian. That is like the most brilliant casting ever. That's perfect. I mean, I kind of would want to watch a movie of just him, but <laughs> young Han Solo, I'm like, oh God, this looks like a train wreck and it's changed director so many times. So that, that's probably going to be really bad. Um, and I'll let that one go, but, uh, the next official Star Wars I'm really looking forward to. So anyway, I did see another film. 
last week. It was uh, really lucky. My son ended up having a play date at his best friend's house. And so me and the wife dropped him off. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. We got the day. Let's go have like a date, you know, let's go do something. Excuse me. So we are both huge fans of Guillermo del Toro, and we wanted to go see The Shape of Water. Have you um, seen the trailers, or you know what this movie's about? I totally know what the movie is about, but I have not seen it. Okay, so for folks who don't know, uh, Guillermo del Toro is a wonderful director who has made many successful films. Um, He made... He's probably best known for Pan's Labyrinth. That was really where he uh, made his mark. But then he went on to create, I mean, several movies after that. And he'd already had a um, pretty um, significant filmography before he got big in America. Um, he did The Orphanage. He's done um, one of my favorite movies of all time, um, Pacific Rim, which is a fantastic, fantastic film. And uh, anyway, so we went to go see this. This movie is about a woman who is working in a scientific facility. And they're doing top secret stuff in there. They find a fish man from South America who looks a lot like, um, you know, a creature from the Black Lagoon that is pretty famous. And she kind of like, through one happenstance and another, she kind of like falls in love with this fish man. And it's kind of like a romance between the fish man and her. Um, so I was going to see this movie regardless because I love uh, Guillermo's work. He is the bomb. Um, pretty much everything that he does is right up my alley. His sensibilities are really close to where I usually land. I'm a big fan of like all this stuff. I've seen almost all his films. Um, so really brilliant stuff. But he kind of caught me by surprise on this one. Um, I knew what the premise at its core was about, but I did not anticipate it to be so lighthearted and fun. I mean, it definitely had a dark tinge to it because I think all of his films have a little bit of darkness to them. Sometimes um, shockingly so. And there was a little bit of that in this one, but in general, like it was really sweet and light and lovely and as improbable as it seems for a woman to fall in love with this fish man. And at this point I hear like uh, mass effect shippers all across the internet going, <laughs> it's not improbable. Um, all those folks know how quickly that can turn into true love. Um, it was a really sweet story. I mean, I thought it was really nice. There were, um, a number of really beautiful scenes, like just beautiful to see. Um, there's a couple surprises in the middle that I don't want to talk about that I think were just real surprises to me that I was like really not expecting at all. Um, it was just really sweet and nice and lovely and um, delicate and colorful. It reminded me a lot of um, Amelie in some ways, which is not anything I really expected to see out of this film, but the music and the colors and the kind of like... Um, just the lightness of, of the script, I thought, was um, as well very good, but it reminded me very much of Amelie, if anybody's familiar with that. Um, I did want to say one thing, though. Um, you haven't seen this, so maybe um, maybe we can talk about it afterwards, but uh, the lady in the movie, her best friend is gay, and this isn't a time when that is not acceptable, it's not okay. I mean, this is supposed to be like the 50s or something like that. And I thought his character was, I thought, as um, straight guy cis male brad galloway i thought his character was really well done i would be curious to hear what you thought or what other people thought um especially people who were gay what they thought of that um portrayal but i thought that his story even though he wasn't the main character i thought his story was actually really touching and um significant to me like it really kind of showed like how tough that must have been to be um, a gay person at that time when it was not nearly as accepted as it is today so that was another uh, positive thing i took away i really liked his portrayal i thought he was a good character 
and I thought the Fishman looked pretty cool, and uh, overall, it was just really good. I mean, not a perfect film. There's a few little nitpicks that I had, but overall, I thought it was really beautiful and lovely, and another win for Guillermo del Toro. Are you a fan of his? Are you want to see this movie, or what, what's your feeling on any of those things? Uh, I am definitely interested in seeing it. I'm not sure that I will get around to it. This has been the season of there being like a million movies out that I want to see. And I've had so much going on that I haven't had time to really go see anything lately except for Star Wars. Um, but I'm actually not like I I, I know uh, Del Toro's works and I understand, you know, kind of like what he's about and. Um, you know, what he brings to cinema, but I actually have not seen that many of his movies. I think the only, oh boy, this might be kind of embarrassing, but I feel like the only movie I've seen of his is Hellboy. Really? I thought you had seen Pacific Rim and didn't like it. I have not seen it and I'm not oh, okay. super interested in seeing it. Okay. Yeah. Hellboy is actually pretty good. Not his best work, but it's pr- pretty good. I mean, I thought he did a great job with the adaptation, but he's done a lot and some of his older stuff is really intriguing he did a movie called chronos which is about um this little device which kind of can turn people into vampires um but that movie ended up being totally 100 percent not at all what you think it would be but it was really really good <laughs> you did, did you ever see pan's labyrinth you didn't see that one no i didn't oh god pan's labyrinth is fucking amazing i know that's probably his most quoted one and they do people will do a lot of memes from his movies uh especially that one uh, but go see that one. That one's really well done. The Orphanage, I think he produced. And, oh, my God, that was scary as fuck. Um, he's done <laughs> The Devil's Backbone, which was about an orphanage haunted by a ghost. But there's also, it's in the middle of, like, the Spanish Civil War, which is really interesting. Uh, he's done, like, every movie he's done has been really good. The only one of his I haven't seen, I think, is Crimson Peak. Uh, and I will get around to that, but I just haven't seen that one. But the rest, I'm a big, I'm a big, big fan. So I knew I was going to like this movie no matter what. Uh, and I proved that correct. So I liked this movie <laughs> a bunch. My wife loved it too. She thought it was fantastic. So wonderful, wonderful stuff. I got a couple TV shows if uh, you don't mind hearing about those. I uh, know. Bring them on. Uh, finally finished up The Punisher. I know we talked about that a little bit in the past. Um, finally had some time, watched all 13 episodes. I got to say, man, a um, little disappointing. A little disappointing in that Punisher. Um, it was a good a good series 13 episodes on netflix john bernthal uh who plays frank castle the punisher uh does a good job he is the right person to play that role i think the supporting characters in that show were also very good but my problem with the punisher is that they really okay so like in the comics the punisher is a guy who just kills people he hates criminals his family got killed by criminals and so he hates all criminals he's waging this war against crime he'll kill anybody you know doesn't give a fuck that's, that's who the Punisher is. So it's kind of a one-note character, right? I mean, he was really, really super popular in the 90s. I mean, he's still... I, I would assume he's probably still fairly popular, but his heyday was, like, in the 90s. Um, and so that kind of was reflective of that time. Uh, and they wanted to give him more of a human side. They wanted to show the human side. How did the Punisher become the Punisher? How can a man do these things and still be a man? What does he feel? What is he like? Is he suffering PTSD from the war? Is he crazy? Is he broken inside? You know, who knows? So they explore that a lot, which I think is great, because I think that explaining how the Punisher is also a human being, in addition to being this crime-killing machine, is great. Love it. But, first, they went too far. Like, they went <laughs> went really too far. They made the point, and by, by about episode maybe, like, six, I'm like, okay, cool. Punisher's a human being. I get it. He's a man with feelings. He's really sad. 
This is his dysfunctional way of working through that. Like, I get it. And now I want to see him kill some motherfuckers. <laughs> and, like, he doesn't barely kill anybody in this fucking series. And he is called the fucking Punisher. He is known for <laughs> killing fuckers. He does not kill nearly enough dudes in this. He doesn't beat up nearly enough dudes. I mean, there's a little bit of gunplay in the beginning and a little bit at the end. But in the middle, there's just a lot of talking. And it's fine-ish, but there's too much talking. And I got to be honest, he gets his ass kicked like 10 times over the course of 13 episodes. <laughs> he is bloody. He gets shot. He gets knifed. He gets beaten. He gets teeth knocked out. And I'm like, what the fuck? This guy is the Punisher. He is supposed to be punished. He is, he is not the Punishee. He is the Punisher. He should be <laughs> kicking ass, like kicking more ass. So I hate to be that guy. But I was like, by the time that series was over, I was like, oh, my God. Like, he needed to kill more motherfuckers. He needed to shoot more guns. He needed to cut more dudes. I just was like, I wanted more violence out of that show. And it sounds really weird to say that, and I feel kind of bad for saying it. But, like, he needed to punish more. More punishing in The Punisher is what was needed. Um, <laughs> it was fun, and it was good, and I liked it, but it just needed more punishment. And if they, they bring him back, which I imagine they will, they were kind of laying the groundwork for a second season... I want him to kill, like, 1,000% more dudes. I want way more guns and way more shooting. So that was kind of where I landed on The Punisher. <clears throat> I'm glad I watched it. I probably would never watch it again, and I think that they, they needed more teeth in that one. Uh, so there was that. And what else did I watch? Oh, 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 dude, Ultimate Beastmaster is back. Did you ever watch Ultimate Beastmaster? I've seen, like, one or two episodes in passing. Oh my god! I are you, are you fan or not a fan? Don't care. Uh, I mean, it's fine. I guess it's an interesting parallel to. I mean, it's an obvious parallel to like American Ninja Warrior, and I mean that sort of has like a direct impact on my life because the parkour gym that I go to here is also a Ninja Warrior gym. So, um, I feel like I should be asking around in New Orleans, like the guys that I know here, if they've heard of Beastmaster or are interested in doing it, because they're all like dead set on doing Ninja Warrior, and I don't know, like, what the submission process is like for Ultimate Beastmaster, or if they even know it exists, um, but yeah, I know uh, that's kind of what it is. I'll be honest, man. I was a huge fan of the original Japanese Ninja Warrior. I think that is a pretty badass series, and especially um, the female Ninja Warrior competition that they had. That was also super entertaining. I can't stand American um, Ninja Warrior. I think it's garbage. I fucking hate it. Um, they spend way too much time talking about people's like sad ass backstories and they just don't have the same standards. Like it's not as tough and somebody always wins no matter what, which is bullshit because in the original Ninja Warrior, if nobody won, nobody fucking won. That's all there was. Go home sad. Boo hoo. Try again next year. But like, there's always some oh, fucking motherfucker that winning in America. I hate American Ninja Warrior. It sucks. <laughs> Fucking sucks. So I like Ultimate Beastmaster way better. Um, the new second season just started. It's hosted uh, by the Mexican host from the last season, which is really cool. Gives it a very international flavor. Um, the Americans do not take center stage. It's hosted by the Mexicans, which is great. They have a new cast of international announcers from all across. I think there's uh, two from India. I think there's uh, two from China. Uh, Italy's there, uh, a whole bunch of different folks, like a really good mix. I love the international flavor of it for the uh, people competing from all these different countries. I think the course is a really cool course, very tough course, very, very tough course. And, uh, it's just, it's up. I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but it's, it's on there. I got to say though, um, the first episode, I literally cried at the end of this episode, dude. I mean, 
I cry a lot more these days just because I'm older. I'm more in touch with my feelings. I'm a father. I think that, you know, crying is is a totally okay thing to do for a guy. So I'm all about it sometimes. Um, but the two final contestants in the first episode of Mexican Ultimate Beastmaster, oh my God, just like so heartwarming and supportive and cool and honorable and everything. I'm not going to spoil it because it's like a fucking amazing episode. And if you only watch one episode, watch that first episode because it just is like, it's, it's so amazing to see just how cool that was and how nice and how, I don't know, just like the sportsmanship of it and how honorable it all was. Like, it was just really, really cool. I just, I don't want to spoil it, but man, it was amazing. I totally fucking cried at the end. I think my <laughs> wife was crying and I was just like, oh my God, this is the best show ever. I love the show. So that is back on Netflix. Catch that if you want to catch that. Um, I don't think I've seen anything else. We, did we talk about Runaways? We talked about Runaways, didn't we? I don't think we talked about Runaways. Shit, did we not talk about Runaways? I don't think so. I oh, saw you man. tweet like once about it, and I think that's it. Oh my god, we skip one week, the whole fucking world goes to hell, dude. How do we not talk <laughs> about Runaways? Uh, just really briefly, it's on Hulu. Uh, it's a, It was a very famous comic series. I have not read the comic, but I heard nothing but good things about the comic series, so I was kind of curious to see how this would go, because Marvel has not had the best luck on TV. I'm not a big fan of uh, Marvel's TV shows. Uh, basically it's a bunch of kids who are living in like Beverly Hills or some shit, Brentwood or whatever. And they're all, uh, rich and they come to find out that all of their parents are involved in some dark shit and that they did not know about. And so they're kind of like taking action against their parents. They're kind of grouping up together to figure out what's going on. What are their parents up to? How can they stop it? Um, I don't want to say very much about it, but I think it's a really cool show. Probably one of the best Marvel TV shows that's been out so far. Really liking it. It's not over yet, but unfortunately, it's on Hulu, and they still do the one episode a week thing, which is ugh, terrible. It is terrible, dude. Like, ever since Netflix has pioneered the whole instant binge thing when they put out a series and it's all there from day one, I can't stand watching shows, like, week by week, but that's what you have to do for Runaways. So I waited, like, the first six weeks, and I watched six in a row, and now I'm just, like, going week to week, which is fine garbage so i hate doing week to week but runaways is a good show i really like it a lot if you are a fan of the comic i hear it's somewhat different but still equally good and if you've never read the comic you don't need to read it i have never read it and i think the show is super interesting and, and good so thumbs up to runaways i've talked for like a jillion years man what else is on <laughs> what else is on your agenda what else what does you get to bant what's bant uh gosh i don't really know if i have anything else that's super like interesting i mean I talked about Christmas. I talked about doing doudoir photography. Dude, um, ooh, dude, did you make that up? No, that's a thing. Oh, shit, you didn't coin that? Sorry, that was pretty no, good. No, I didn't coin it, um, uh, unfortunately. Damn it. Damn it. Um, I was going to say you should coin it, but oh well. I wish. Uh, I, ha I, I wish I could say that I did, but it is an established thing already. Um, I wouldn't believe stuff... you if you told me you, you coined that. I would have bought that. No, I can't lie to you, Brad. You know I can't lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess the only other stuff I have going on that's briefly worth mentioning is just like to add more like ridiculousness on top of how busy I've been lately traveling all around road tripping all around the Midwest and back is like, so like I said earlier, I got back in town, like literally like a few hours ago, like right, right now it's about one o'clock in the morning, uh, at time of recording, uh, Tuesday morning. And I got back at like 9 PM last night and or roughly, um, and literally tomorrow morning at like 
noon or like 1130 ish, I have friends flying in town from the Kansas City area. So I get one night, which is tonight, to get home and unpack and like sort of decompress. And then tomorrow morning, I'm going to pick up my friends from the airport who are going to be staying with us for the rest of the week. They'll be here um, Tuesday. I think they fly back out Sunday, so they'll be here the rest of the week. So the good news is that they are two of my best friends who are married, and they're very... um, My favorite thing about them is that they're super self-sufficient, so they're not the kind of guests that visit you and expect you to, like, parade them around, like, every hour, every day to do things, like... I could sit in my living room the whole time they're here and they would have, they would be perfectly fine just going and doing stuff on their own and figuring out their own way to do things and kind of going through the list of stuff they want to do. So I'm very thankful that these are those kind of friends and they're not the kind of friends that I have to like constantly be like, oh, well, let me pick out seven lunch places to go to and seven dinner places to go to and like two bars to go to every night, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But it's just wild because... I have tonight, and then tomorrow I'm picking them up, and they're going to be here all all week. And then I think I might have mentioned this on the last show. Um, this weekend is uh, Wizard World Comic Con in, uh, in New Orleans, which I'm going to be volunteering at. Uh, as far as I know, I'm still waiting for them to send me a list of stuff to photograph, but I'm going to be there doing photography all weekend. So not only did I just get back from a almost two-week trip, uh, driving around the Midwest. I have friends coming in town tomorrow. And then at the end of the week, I have, uh, I'm going to be busy all weekend doing photography. So it's like, even though I'm home and even though I'm back from Christmas break, I'm still like pedal to the metal, like doing shit all week. Jesus, dude. I'm glad that next week is our game of the year show because it sounds like you don't have fucking five minutes to play any new games in this, uh, this upcoming seven days. I know. And it's the worst because I, I mean, like, obviously I love video games. I love playing them. Like, hello, we have this podcast together, but like, I've been so stupidly busy lately. I feel like every week for the past, like two months, I've been coming on and being like, Oh, I've played like one game this week. And right now, like I finished black mirror. I need to review black mirror. I have another game for Xbox one. Oh, there's like spoiler alert for people like who are wondering what I'm working on video game wise. I'm, I need to play a game for Xbox One called Your Toy that I'm reviewing. I'm also reviewing for Game Critics the Xbox One version of Soma, which uh, is like the, the safe mode version I'm going to be reviewing. So I have like all that stuff to do, and I have no time to play video games right now, and I really just want to sit down and play video games, but I have so much other stuff to do, so... Um, yeah, I am glad we're doing game of the year next year. So I can like, we can really sit down, talk about game of the year and get all that stuff out because goddamn, I am not going to have any time to play video games this week. Dang, dude, you better dial that back, man. Cause I remember a couple months ago, you were like, you were playing shit that you didn't even want to play because you had so much time to play. And now it's like, you don't have any time at all. So it's we just, gotta, we gotta adjust uh, that, that dial. You are going like at 11 all the time right now, dude. You gotta dial it back. I know. I mean, for someone who is unemployed, it is ridiculous how busy I've been lately. Like you'd think, I mean, there was a time in my life and there will be a time in my life, probably in about two weeks where I have so much free time that I don't know what to do with myself, but because of the holiday season and because of traveling and because of my friends booking, uh, you know, time to come in town to see us and everything like this has just been the most ridiculous, like couple months of like very, very busy couple months of my life. And I'm ready 
for like, I mean, obviously I want to see my friends. I want to hang out with them. I want to go to Comic-Con. I want to do all that. And it's really nice being busy. Like I don't want to complain about being busy because having stuff to do is a great feeling, but I really just want to like sit down and decompress from the holiday trip and I have zero time to do it. Damn, dude. All right. Well, we will, you know, get through this week, survive this week. We will um, talk about your itinerary. We will uh, schedule less things for you, get you some more free time. Um, but like you said, next week is game of the year. We actually, so just a couple things really quickly. Um, I have actually already posted my top 10 games of the year at Game Critics. If you don't want to be spoiled, don't go to Game Critics and click on that. Um, I have not spoiled anything on Twitter. I've just said that that post is there for people who don't listen to the show or for people who don't want to wait. So if you want to know, go ahead and check it out. What I've posted at the sh- at, at Game Critics will be exactly what I talk about on the show. Um, so, Corey, don't check that out if you want to be surprised. Anybody <laughs> listening, do not click on that if you want to be surprised. Also, we did get a, a number of uh, submissions from listeners and from people on Twitter who wanted to share their uh, top three games of the year, or was it top five? Was it top five? Was it top it three? Was what top, top three, and then like one or two disappointing games. I think. Is that? Let me double check. Is that right? Is that right? Yes, you're correct. Thank yeah. you. So, if you're listening and you haven't yet sent in your top three plus one disappointment of 2017, you've still got time. We're going to be recording in about a week, give or take. So by the time this comes out, you'll probably have at least a couple days to get that in. If you hear this, you probably still have time. Send it in, uh, email, Twitter, whatever. We're looking for your top three of 2017 plus one disappointment. Uh, And otherwise, otherwise, um, I think we have one more thing to talk about before we bring it on home. Is that correct, Corey? We do. Are you ready to jump, jump topics? Yeah, let's do that. Let's go ahead and uh, let's give me this last topic. Let's wrap it up, and then uh, we will start prepping for the big show next week. Yes. All right, so this this won't take super long. I just thought um, we've done this once before. I can't remember what show we did this on, but it's always fun to revisit this, and I figured um, as sort of like a closing out of 2017 and getting into 2018, um, I jumped on. We host, uh, as everybody probably knows, we host our podcast on soundcloud Uh, that's the website that we technically publish everything on and then soundcloud pushes our show to um like the podcast app on iphone and um uh like stitcher is the other like kind of like the android based thing we push it to and people can use the rss feed uh number that's on our website to use whatever third-party app they want but on soundcloud um it gives us a Uh, a list of stats there's a stats page if you have a soundcloud page you can go to the stats page and you can look up um you know varying stats about your shows uh ones that are that people listen the most listened to the most liked the most reposted the most comments the most downloads all that stuff and um, so i thought it would be fun just as like a little end of the year housekeeping thing to um to look at the stats and uh brad does not know these yet so i'm going to be reading off a few that uh might surprise him or that we can just discuss uh, sort of as we're talking but i also want to make it clear that because these stats are coming directly from soundcloud they are only based on people who listen to the show from soundcloud i don't think these stats pull in like say if you're a person who has an iphone and you listen to the pod podcast on your podcast app or if you have like a third-party app like pocket casts or something um, i don't think it pulls any of that info so this is just like a small, like, kind of diluted look, but it still gives us an idea of just, like, some fun little stats. So, um, 
I am going to go through some of those. Are you ready, Brad? I am ready. Well, I want, I've got the page up right now. I just want to hit a few things that I think are interesting. Um, our top three most listened to shows. Um, let's start with, we'll go three, two, one. Do you have any guesses on what shows these will be? Um, I, I know that our show where we talked about the, um, the dick game, what was the dick game called? <laughs> the ter- the tea room. I know that was a real popular one. We got a lot of we got a lot of response on that one, so I'm guessing that's one of the top three. Um, I'm guessing maybe the PAX show or maybe the E3 show. Um, other than that, I don't really know. Am I how close am I? You are so far off, Brad. Really? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, Educate me. What, what what what's the numbers? Our uh, and this is only according to SoundCloud. So in actuality, you might be right, um, but these are just SoundCloud numbers. So our number three most listened to show on SoundCloud was last year's Game of the Year show. Oh, okay, cool. All right, makes sense. Sure. Which is appropriate. I was certainly hoped that that would have been in uh, in the top three. Our number two most listened to episode was episode 21 and that name gives zero light to what we talked about so i have the notes pulled up here um for episode 21 we talked about uh line light wild guns reloaded deus ex mankind divided uh the criminal past dlc for that uh horizon zero dawn super hot vr and the last guardian why would that be so popular? That seems just like a random scattering of stuff. I know. What? I have no idea. I really can't figure it out either. We talked a little bit about the Dice Awards, which maybe that had something to do with it. But uh, mm. I don't know. I can't. It's kind of a wild card. I can't figure that one out. Okay. What's the What's the number one? Our number one most listened to show is, um, it is called Episode 32-2.5-hour uh, marathon. So this was at a time in the show where we were pretty good about recording, I think, like an hour and a half to two hour long shows. And I think at the time when we recorded this one, it was the longest show we had ever done, which is why I titled it Episode 32-2.5 Hour Marathon, so that way people would know what they're getting into. And I really want to say that whenever you and I recorded the show, we were like, oh, geez, nobody's going to listen to this because it's so long and it's so ridiculous. And it turns out that... It is the episode, according to SoundCloud, that everybody has listened to the most. God, you know, that I, I believe it. I believe it because um, even though that maybe perhaps you and I don't fall into that category, when I talk to people who do listen to a lot of podcasts, I do find that they really prefer like like more. Like more is better for most people. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true for me. I don't know how you feel about that. But yeah, I think that makes sense, um, kind of squaring that with people that I've talked to. So. I wouldn't have guessed it, but now that you say it, yeah, I can kind of see how that's happening. And just for the record, um, some of the games we talked about on our two and a half hour marathon show, we talked about uh, years and my uh, favorite game of the year, Near Automata. We talked about Prey. We talked about Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, Narcosis. This might have been the episode where I was freaking out about uh, spider crabs whenever we yes. were talking about Narcosis. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember and, that well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you talked about Zelda, Berserk, and the Band of the Hawk. I don't mm-hmm. remember that at all. Um, Dreadnought, Raiders of the Broken Planet, and Marvel Heroes Omega. Oh man, yeah, it, that was a lot of games to talk about. So I, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Interesting that, that you bring up um, 
Raiders of the Broken Planet because I actually just went through and played it again. I was going to talk about it on an upcoming show. We'll talk about that soon, though. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting, um, interesting numbers. Wow. Any other, <laughs> any other um, little uh, tidbits or factoids? Uh, I've got just a couple more. Um, okay. Actually, maybe like three more. The first one being on SoundCloud. We do you do you want to take any guess about? the total amount of podcast plays we have had on SoundCloud's website. Uh, so how many episodes have we had? We've had 63. Yeah, this will be 63. And there's two of us, so I'm going to say 126. Total? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's you and me both listening back one time each. <laughs> um well, I'm happy to report that it is a little bit larger than that. Um, okay, good. What is What's the real number? <laughs> uh, according to SoundCloud, our shows have been played through 8,715 times. Wow, that's pretty cool. And that's only SoundCloud. That doesn't count any of those other apps or anything. Yeah, and I would reckon that most people don't listen to the show directly on SoundCloud. So that might be a pretty small representation of who actually listens to the show, maybe. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, I, nobody I know actually listens to it on SoundCloud. I mean, most people have their own podcast app on their phone or something. That's where it seems like most people do that. So, I mean, if you... I mean, of course, it's just an extrapolation, but if you think that that many people are listening on SoundCloud, and that's just a very small number because nobody really listens on SoundCloud, wow, I mean, we must be uh, we must be getting out there. I hope so. Um the last two I have are the top countries and the top cities, which I think oh, we talked about. I love about this one. Before. I love this one. Yeah, it's my yeah, favorite. These are really dude. fun. Um, do you have any guesses for the top three countries? These are probably pretty easy, but are they the same as last time, or are they different than last time? Do you remember? I can't remember. Um, I mean, I'm guessing. I mean, America has probably got to be one of them. America is number one. Okay, and then if I remember last time, it was something unusual. I want. I mean, I'm. My my guess is to say something in Britain. I mean, is it like, uh, I'm sorry, not Britain, but like, you know, that actual, that area of Europe. I mean, is it like Ireland or is it England? It is the United Kingdom. So, yes. Okay. So, United Kingdom. And then the third one, if I remember correctly, was like someplace, uh, it was surprising to me. I think it was um, in the Scandinavian countries, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been last time, but now it is Canada. Oh, Canada. Hey, Canada. Excellent. <laughs> I like yeah, Canada. Canada's good and people. And then Germany is number four and Australia is number five. Uh, excellent. Well, wow. Thank you, everybody, all across the globe for listening. We are so happy <laughs> to have you aboard for this ride, this journey into the mind of Brad and Corey. Yeah, Indeed. that's awesome. I love that people in other countries listen to our show. I, I love um, the thought that we are connecting on a global scale because um, I love people all across the world. Don't you, Corey? I do, and I'm sure, I think I've said this before, and so I'm saying it again, but uh, because this show kind of sort of, like, spawned from Game Critics, um, Game Critics has a pretty big, like, overseas audience, so it kind of makes sense that this show does as well. Yeah, we have a pretty good, um, pretty good diverse uh, base of readers, uh, which is really cool. I really love getting the different perspectives, and I love that we can appeal to people that are not just in the United States. Um, so, I mean, contrary to the political scene, I think a lot of us here in America really do um, want to reach out to other countries and to be more open and to uh, just be more citizens of the world rather than a particular country. So that's great. I'm glad that we can help bridge that gap, reach across the water, and uh, make friends in some small way in other places. So that's awesome. 
Indeed. And last but not least, I think this is probably the last thing I want to touch on is uh, after the top countries, the top cities. And despite the United States being the top country, the top city is not in the United States. Do you want to take any guesses? Is it Rio de Janeiro? <laughs> it is not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> is it um, not in the United States? Is it is it Paris? It's not. Paris is number 43 on the list. Okay, so Paris, you got some work to do. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What's, what was it? Give me a, give me a, give me a hint. Uh, it is in Canada. Is it Toronto? It is not. Uh, is it where the big mall is? Edmonton? This is probably so boring to listen to. I know, right? This is, this is the most terrible radio ever. Uh, okay, just, let me just get to it. I'll just, I'll just name them. Sorry, um, guys. Sorry. This is super boring. We know. This is terrible. I don't know what I was thinking setting up this segment like this. Um, the first one is, I don't even, I'm probably going to say this wrong, and it's going to make me feel so stupid. Uh, Calgary, Canada? Sure. Calgary, yeah. Calgary. Calgary. Wow. Right on. Yeah. That is number one. Number two, top city is Seattle, which makes sense because that Yay. is where Game Critics West is based and so Video Games West is based. Hometown, hometown. Yes. And then number three is London, United Kingdom. Oh, right on. Our good friends over in London. I love London. Yes. Huh. And then after that is Ashburn, Virginia. <laughs> Don't really know where that's coming from, but there that it is. is. That is bizarre. <laughs> I mean, I you know, much love to our listeners in Ashburn. Uh, tell us who you are. Why? Uh, I would love to reach out and let us know. Give us a shout from Ashburn. I would love to hear from you. Yes, please do. Um, and there's a couple stats about, like, the like there's rss apps and third-party apps but i don't know what this means because if you go to the rss rss apps stat the number one is apple core media iphone which i'm guessing is the podcast app on the iphone the metric they give you or is for us is 1955 so i don't know if that means 1955 people listen to our show from the podcast app or if like We've had 1,955 total plays from the podcast app. I don't know. I don't know what this metric means. I don't know either. I will. Uh, I will get somebody from Apple on the phone, and we will get to the bottom of this. <laughs> um, but I think that's it. That's just a couple of stats that I wanted to talk about. I think it's just kind of interesting to talk about it and to bring 2017 to a close and talk about some stuff. So thank you everybody for listening, and thank you for putting up with the fact that we had a two and a half hour show and listening to it. And the interesting thing there is I believe we have had several two and a half hour shows since then. So hopefully you actually do enjoy longer shows. Yeah, definitely. For sure. For sure. And uh, thanks for uh, sticking with us this whole, uh, this whole time for the 63 episodes. Uh, We are plowing on. We're going to keep doing shows for as long as we can do them for. So thanks for joining us uh, on this journey. Indeed. Um, And I think that's pretty much all I have for tonight. Do you have anything else before we sign off? No, man, I'm good. I'm getting hungry. I need to get a snack, so we got to wrap this shit up. Oh, my God, I'm hungry, too. So good. Great minds think alike. Um, Well, uh, after a bunch of banter, after a bunch of stats, that brings us to the end of this show. Um, Let's see. Um, Next week, we'll be back with episode 64, which is going to be our game of the year episode. I'm really excited to do it. I know Brad's excited to do it. I know 
People listening have been telling us that they're excited to hear our Game of the Year show, so I'm really pumped to do that next week. So we will be doing that. Um, Brad and I are going to have some categories to go along with the top 10. If you're listening and you have any ideas for categories that you want us to do, like, say, like, most disappointing game or like best voice actor or something um please send us any ideas because if uh you send some of these sound interesting to us we just might add them in and on top of that if you'd like to send us any comments any thoughts any feedback any show ideas or anything else you can send it to our email address we are at so video games podcast at gmail.com you can also post comments directly under the show at Game Critics. Whenever you see the shows go live on Game Critics, um, you can post comments there. You can also catch us on Twitter. The Twitter account for the show is at SoVideoGames. And you can also reach Brad and I individually. Uh, Brad, would you like to give your Twitter handle? I would. Uh, my Twitter handle is my name, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And ironically, I actually had a person tweet me, but they put an O in my name. So the tweet did not come to me, but I had happened to just be looking at Twitter at that moment. And I saw it and I'm like, you know, you put an O in that name, but you're talking about games. You're in my feed. I'm guessing you're probably referring that to me. So I'm going to respond to me like respond like that's that's who it was. And it was. And I, I tweeted them. and I'm like, hey, bro. Um, you might not listen to the show, but it's always no motherfucking O's. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was a real nice guy and he apologized profusely. So anyway, all A's, no O's. That's why I say it at the end of every show, because people, um, for my entire life want to put an O in my name. There's no O's in my fucking name. <laughs> I understand because despite my name being Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, I cannot tell you how many people have spelled it C-O-R-Y in my entire life. Like, my name will be right there, like, on the top of my Facebook page or on the top of my Twitter page, and it never fails. C-O-R-Y. That, that is time. weird. I would not say that C-O-R-Y would be the standard spelling. I would I would think that the way that it is spelled with an E is the standard spelling. That seems to me like the most common. That's bizarre. I mean, I would like to think that, too, just because I want to play favorites with my own name, and I'm very grateful that my parents named me C-O-R-E-Y because I think it just looks more balanced even though it's kind of not because it's five letters but having the r like anchor the word and having two letters on both sides just really symmetrical symmetrical yeah it really just balances it for me and i like that yeah. but it's beside the point um but speaking of my name you can find me on twitter at cory motley c-o-r-e-y-m-o-t-l-e-y on twitter um and that is the end of For Real Episode 63, not Fake Episode 63. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brad, do you have anything else before we go? No, that's it, man. I'm glad to be back in the saddle. Looking forward to it next week and looking forward to getting back to our regular schedule. Um, once again, thanks to everybody for um, being patient for our missing, our missing week uh, last week. But we are back, and uh, we hope you will stay with us. Indeed, we are back, and we are here to stay. And... Until next time for our Game of the Year episode, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We'll catch you then.